Welcome to the Ben Wade Podcast, where we are bridging the gaps between able-bodied and disabled people through real talk and real conversations from a wheelchair. Now, here's your hosts, Luke and Chris. That's what's up. So I'm Luke and this is Chris. Hi, guys. Nice to meet you virtually. Nice <laughs> to meet you as well. Uh, thank you for uh, being on the show, on a podcast, and it's going to be a good one. Yeah. Awesome. So you if you could just go ahead and introduce yourself. My name is Denise Vasquez and I'm the founder of the Disabled Photographer Project. That's cool. And so you said you have a, um, an invisible disability, right? But it's permanent? Yes. Okay, could you go into like what that disability is and how that affects you? Ooh, that's a big story. But um, uh, over three years ago, I got hurt at work. I was working for a company, I won't say the name, doing photography. And um, because I got lost in the workers' comp system, they took a long time to take care of my injury. And what started out as an Achilles tendon injury led to my tendons getting affected, infected and uh, other issues. So I was in a wheelchair for over three years. And it's a long story, but I I ended up being in a wheelchair for over three years. And uh, the Achilles tendon injuries are still there. That's permanent. Um, And then I developed CRPS, which I think November um, actually talks about what CRPS is. It's a chronic regional pain syndrome. And it's a, a disability that a lot of people don't know about or have never heard of, but it's known as the suicide uh, disability because Mm. the pain sometimes is so unbearable that, you know, people have committed suicide because they just can't take the pain. Um, So that's, you know, uh, the main part of what I struggle with being in a wheelchair and being immobile for over three years caused a lot of issues with, you know, back, nerves, um, neck. Uh, so I got a lawyer because I was fighting the system by myself for over a year. And my lawyer, um, sent me to, uh, the workers comp, like the head of workers comp, their doctor. And he just couldn't believe that I hadn't had physical therapy that I hadn't had Mm. in over a year, you know, so it took a while to get into this amazing program. Um, it's at the institutes of health and they were, you know, very, good about helping me, but they wanted to know, like, before they put me in the program, like, do I want to get back on my feet? And so after like intense therapy for over six months, I can stand and walk, I'd say for about an hour to two hours, every day is different. (laughs) Like today, Mm -hmm. I went on a walk and it was like barely 20 minutes and I was done like my back, I'm feeling it. But um, every day is a challenge. Every day is different. Um, I am constantly struggling with, you know, back pain and ankle pain and foot pain and neck pain. But through the program, I learned how to meditate, how to breathe, how to focus my, you know, attention, not on the pain so much, but try to focus on, you know, doing things that make me happy, which is photography. And even while I was in the wheelchair, I never stopped doing photography. My boyfriend was like pushing me around and in the wheelchair and helping me set up the tripod. And because it was the one thing that kept me going, it was the one thing that kept me happy, you know. And I think that when you're 
um, living with a disability, you know, you're constantly dealing with pain. You're constantly dealing with, you know, um, having, not having access to the things that you want. So you're constantly dealing with frustration. You're constantly dealing with so many different things at all the time that I think it's important to have something positive that keeps you happy to focus on, you know? And so um, just before I came on, I was like fixing up my studio because I've been doing like these little market fairs and selling my photography. And um, instead of going back to working for a company because I can't stand for eight hours anymore and, you know, I can't lift the way I used to, I decided to start my own company and work for myself. And, you know, I, I kind of do what I can do, you know, whether it's, you know, putting up a booth for four hours with help, you know, and um, sorry about that. That was my alarm telling me I'm talking to you guys. <laughs> You're good. But, um, you know, I started my own company and, and started working for myself. And if I do photo shoots of people, I'll do like an hour max or, you know, if I'm setting up at the booth, my boyfriend always comes and helps me because I can't lift the tables and everything by myself. But, you know, I just I think it's really important to stay happy and to do what makes me happy. Uh, That's the short version. I definitely agree with that. <laughs> I'm trying to um, do things in my life to make me happy and, and to stay positive all the time. We're always going to see negative, but like, I mean, that's part of life, but sometimes you can help it. Just be happy. Think positive. It could be mm -hmm. worse. It definitely helps. So. But for you, I know you said you're able to walk like, you know, sometimes an hour or two, maybe less, just depends on the day. And I get it depends. that. Yeah, but, it depends. Right. And so is there, is there like progression in that? Have you seen progression in your ability to walk again? Or is it like, is it going to be limited for the rest of your life? I think it's going to be, you know, living with CRPS is uh, permanent. It's there's no cure for CRPS, not mm -hmm. yet. Um, so basically what happens is if I try to walk or try to stand, my foot blows up, mm -hmm. you know, and turns different colors and inflammation is what causes pain. And so right. I've learned to, through the um, Institutes of Health, like they had a nutrition program where I learned all about how to cook and prepare foods using anti-inflammatory herbs and foods. And, you know, so that helps. And I noticed ever since I changed what I was eating and putting in my body, um, you know, I was, I started out walking barely for five minutes and then I would, you know, walk, for 10 minutes and then I would walk for 15 minutes and then I would, you know, it, that I saw that progression, but then I kind of hit a wall. It's like, it's like an alarm clock goes off physically, you know, internally where everything starts swelling up, things start hurting, things start feeling like they're ripping, things start feeling like I'm getting these sharp shooting hot, like pains, like I'm being stabbed, like in my nerves. So mm -hmm. my body tells me when I'm done. And usually right. it's like, an hour to two hours, but that also depends on what I ate that day, how much I slept the night before. Did I do my stretches? Like I have stretches that I do. I try to do every day. I have days where it's just like, nope, <laughs> my body's like, nope. but I do meditate and breathe every day. And I do try to go out and take a few pictures, even if it's in my backyard for five minutes. 
Um, I do try to, you know, make short videos. I do what I can in the moment. And um, I talk a lot about being in the moment because it's so important because moment to moment, life is constantly changing. The right. pain is constantly changing. My mood is constantly changing. So, you know, <laughs> you just gotta do the best you can where you are in that moment and so for me it's i notice that two hours i'm done i'm done right i mean that's that's good because a lot of people aren't aware of their body they don't like tune into what their body's saying and it's like and there's a lot of people that are disabled through their their family their friends they don't understand it so they're pushing them pushing them it's like no that causes more damage i had to find that out years later it's like after the damage had already been done so yeah. it's like, man, that's unfortunate, but it's good that you're able to realize, hey, this is my limit. Or if, you know, you're just not feeling it that day, who cares? That a new, you know, one day of not stretching, you'll be all right. I mean, it's not going to hurt you, but that's good. It's true. I, I've had so many people um, try to push me because they, they know me mm-hmm. and they know the type of person that I am. And I used to be like doing acting, doing stand-up comedy, doing music, doing, you know, art, doing photography. I was always doing, 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 going, going, going. But at the same time, it's like, I've never been so aware of my body and myself and my needs and my life. So this, this, disability to me i wouldn't say it's a blessing but it definitely made me aware more aware of myself and my needs you know and and uh my body than i've ever been in my life and it's taken me a lifetime to you know be mindful be aware um have my set my boundaries Mm -hmm. for friends family you know and sometimes i don't even explain it's like if i can't make it somewhere i'm not going you know what i mean and i'm not going to explain why i i feel like you know um so many people expect disabled people to explain their disability and because Mm -hmm. mine like when i was in a wheelchair people treated me totally different and i still Mm -hmm. use the wheelchair like if i know i'm going on a long trip i'll bring it with me in case i can't like do a long trail because I don't want to miss out on the trail. So I still uh, have the wheelchair and the rolling walker and canes and uh, walking sticks. And so if people don't see me with using my tools, they treat me differently than when they see me with a wheelchair or with the walking sticks, you know what I mean? And so when people see me and using the wheelchair or using walking sticks, I, I notice that they don't push me as much as if they don't see me using those things, right. you know, they expect me to do more. And it's like, you know, I do what I can in the moment and I'm living moment to moment. And, you know, that's all I can do. Yeah. I, I understand that. Um, <laughs> so uh, go back to boundaries. Cause that's something I'm working on right now and telling people without explaining why, I don't want to do it or I can't do it or whatever. Like, so was that pretty strong before the disability happened or that's something you had to work on too? I feel like, you know, as I've gotten older, I'm 52 years old. Okay. You don't so, look like uh, it though. <laughs> I'm not afraid to say my age either. Like a lot of people like, they're like, Oh my God, you, you say your age. And I'm like, you know what? I'm proud of, uh, to me, age is just a reminder of where I've been and where I'm right. at right now. Mm-hmm. And uh, thank you. It's so funny because when I was 21, I, I would pray that no one would ask me for ID before I turned 21. <laughs> and now when people ask me for my ID, I'm like, thank you. And they're like, what? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it's taken me a lifetime to learn how to, to set boundaries. And I'm still learning, you know, yeah. with 
whether it's with family or with friends, you know, to, to, you know, if somebody invites me somewhere and I can't go and I can't make it, I just say, I, I can't make it. Yeah. The end. You know right. what I mean? I don't need to explain like, you know, why. And if they want an explanation, it's like, you know, I think the more that you just say where you can go, where you can't go and what you can do and what you can't do, the more that people start to realize, you know, or just notice that you've set your boundaries, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? And I'm, I'm pretty big on that because sometimes I have to say no, because I know like it's going to be uncomfortable for me. <laughs> and like, I'm going to say, yes, I'm not really going to have fun. Like I enjoy myself, but I'm not going to really like enjoy myself the way I wanted to, because I'm not up to par at that moment. And so I don't know. I think, That's I think important. It, it is. And I think it's very good because we were having this discussion the other day and it's like, like he said, you know, he could have a good time, but it's like, really, if people can tell when you're not really feeling what's going on or you're not really plugged in, you know, and it kind of does bring, you know, bring a bit of a damper down on everybody else. It can, mm-hmm. you know, certain people can cover it up pretty good, but I think for the most part, most people, you can see it all over their face. I just don't want to cover it up anymore. I just want I to know, be yeah, honest. Yeah. <laughs> That's me. I'm just like, I can't, Hey, I don't want to do it now. I'm not interested. Sorry. I hurt your feelings, but. I'm just not interested. I, I'm about to be 32 years old. I ain't got time for all that. Yeah, I'm not about I mean, using people anymore. I'm just not. Just remember, sometimes saying no to people is saying yes to yourself. Yeah. Remember that, you know, saying no, you have to say no sometimes because if you're always saying yes, you're not leaving room for yourself, for your happiness, to get rest, to, to do what you need to do right. to take care of yourself. Mm-hmm. And I feel like, you know, self-care thankfully is being discussed more and more, um, you know, whether it's mentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually, because I learned it's all connected. Yeah. Yeah, if you're not feeling good here. You're not going to feel good physically. Mm-hmm. And if you're not feeling good physically, you're not going to feel good here. It's all <laughs> connected, you know, and so many people try to separate, you know, mental and physical. And, and to me, like your, your spirituality and your mental, what your thoughts are and how you're yeah. feeling physically, it's all tied together. You know, mm-hmm. and, and I became more aware, like, you know, um, when I was trying to get back on my feet of, you know, my thoughts, how it affected me physically, or, you know, if I would try to go to a gallery and I'm in the wheelchair and people are stepping over me, how that made me feel like emotionally. And then it affected me like physically, I was like in more pain because emotionally <laughs> I was so stressed out and mm-hmm. people don't realize that stress and anxiety cause more pain, especially yeah. for CRPS people with CRPS, it like, it, anxiety, like causes you not to sleep. Anxiety causes you more pain. Anxiety causes you stress, you know? So I've learned how to try to gauge like, you know, what situations make me feel stressed out and I have to avoid it for my own health, you know, whether it's family, people, friends, you know, if they stress me out and they're, like in a in a situation where they got too much drama going on, I'm like, oh. <laughs> I'll talk to you later. Bye. I definitely understand. I think that's that. so good though, because like for me, you know, like people don't realize like I can get exhausted cleaning my house. I mean, vacuuming, mopping the floors, I could be done. Or I'll just be like, yeah, I'm about to take a nap. And people are like, you're taking a nap at such and such time in the day. I'm like, and I don't care. My body feels exhausted. I'm about to take a nap. That's the best time to sleep is when your body is like that all of a sudden you get real tired if you can sleep go sleep because it's the best it's the best rest but people just don't get that like they don't understand that like it's totally different for us 
And I like what you said, how you said, you know, your disability wasn't a blessing, but all it gives you the blessing of it is, is that you have a different perspective. Yes. You're more aware, right? Yeah. You're, you're so much more aware of your surroundings and more tapped into yourself. And that is the blessing of it, I think. The self-awareness. Exactly. Yes. Well, but go back to that last point, God, I want to say something before we move on. I tell people like, bro, my good day is still your worst day. Like, as yeah. far as your energy level, if you have my energy on my good day, you will be, you think you're about to die. <laughs> mm-hmm. So like, try to put that in perspective. So That's true. And you talked about cleaning the house. I used to be like a cleanaholic and cleaning mm-hmm. the whole house in one day and I'm lucky if I could get through, like, you know, like you said, sweeping a floor or mopping the floor, I'm like, I'm done, you know, and I, and I used to not be that way. And people, you know, they, they, they don't understand what people with disabilities like struggle with every day, you know, Mm -hmm. and even the littlest thing like that you accomplish is, is, Somebody might see it as little. I see it as like huge. Woohoo! You know, yeah, I, you're I like, thank God I got yesterday. that done today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was like, I mopped the floor yesterday. <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, it's like, or sometimes you'll be cleaning, like, I'll be cleaning and I'll be like, yeah, the floors can wait. It might be like till next weekend. I don't care. Like, I just, I'm not that concerned with it. Well, somebody told me just to focus on one room at a time. Yeah. Yes, that's what I do. Mm-hmm. And if you can't get to the rest, and that's what I try to do too, like when I'm cleaning. I may do my living room because that's the biggest part. Yeah. If I can take care of that, I know like tomorrow or like later on, I can get in my bedroom and kitchen mm-hmm. and try to do it like that. But so. Yeah. But I want to go back a little bit because I know you mentioned being in a wheelchair for three years, I believe it was. So what was that like for you mentally? What did that do to you? And and what were the struggles through that? And what did you gain from that? That was really, really hard for me because I hadn't been, I have friends who have cerebral palsy. I have friends who've been in wheelchairs their whole lives. I have friends who use like canes and walking sticks. And um, I worked at a a camp called Camp Limar when I was a teenager and we had Down syndrome kids and autistic kids. And so it's interesting because I've seen people and I know people who have used wheelchairs and have been in wheelchairs. And so I've always been sympathetic, but it's, it's not until you're in a wheelchair that you realize so many things. Like number one, I felt so helpless and I'm such an independent person. Like mm-hmm. I left home when I was 17 and, and traveled the world and lived by myself. And so I was always like an independent woman and going from being independent to have to rely and depend on people for everything was like, whoa, that did a number on me mentally. It really um, made me feel like insecure and um, just down. My energy level was down versus like I'm outgoing and, you know, positive and go, go, go. So it definitely changed. Like my energy level came down. Um then like, I didn't go outside for a while because I had certain situations where I would go outside and people treated me so differently and so disrespectfully that it made me not want to go anywhere. Like, um, one, one time we went to SeaWorld on my birthday and like, people were like climbing over me in the wheelchair, like stepping mm-hmm. over me, like stepping over me or like stepping right in front of me. Like I wasn't even there. 
And um, like one of the handlers saw how people were stepping over me and they were like, come back at this time. We have, we have an area for disabled people. So they opened up like this special pen and they put me in and they brought the dolphins over to me and I could pet the dolphins. Oh, that's and cool. So that's that was awesome. really cool. And I was like, thank you for that because they were like, no, we saw how people were just stepping over you. They were like, that's why we built this area. So that was really cool. But um, there was another situation where I went to the Grand Canyon in a wheelchair and I got to this location really, really early. Um, it's by the Desert View Tower because I wanted to get the Milky Way behind the tower. So I had to get there early to be able to like slowly get my wheelchair because the slope was like really steep to get down that hill, mm -hmm. um, you know, and to get all my I put my gear in a wagon and my boyfriend, you know, brought the gear down there. So we got there like hours early so I could set up and have my spot, not have anybody get in front of me. And people were like talking behind my back, like she needs to move her wheelchair. And like people were like stepping over me. So I was like, what is going on? You know, and then trying to do <laughs> like restrooms. And, and this is what kind of made me like start thinking about my project and start my project was because one of the restrooms in the Grand Canyon that had a, a placard sign on it, mm -hmm. I couldn't get my wheelchair in there. So it was humiliating. Like people had to yeah. help me out of my wheelchair, strangers, and like, you know, get me to the toilet. And like, it was, it was so humiliating that I was that like, is, okay. That is that's one thing I hate. Like that's my that's a phobia. It's not even a fear. It's a phobia. Yeah, it is. Going to some place and the bathroom is just too small. Like mm -hmm. there's times I have to go like I'm somewhere and it's like oh man come on. So I got to try to go outside and find somewhere yeah. another place that has a bathroom big enough. And mm -hmm. that's Absolutely. why I'm like always like prepared. Like let me use the bathroom now because I know. Oh yeah. Every time I always don't check, even triple check, because I'm like, dude, if I get in a situation, I was just on a road trip to go back home to visit family. And it was like 11, 12 hours one way. And me and my brother stopped off at this rest area and somebody was using the handicap stall. And my brother, he was like getting a little worried because he's like, because I had to go, you know, he's like, you all right? You all right? And he was upset. And I was like, I don't care. Don't say nothing to the dude. I Just, just give me it. And I mean, they had a handicap stall, but I hate that too. Like it's either somebody's in it or there's not one, or you can barely fit your chair. Mm -hmm. in. People right. don't realize how many buildings, uh, restroom facilities and whatnot in society still, no matter, even with the ADA act, they don't comply at all. No, they don't. And comply it's crazy because a lot of the places that do have that one ADA restroom, like you said, there's usually somebody in there and there's 10 stalls open, but somebody's in the ADA like restroom, you know what I mean? So <laughs> it, 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 it was like, it was like an awakening to me to, to, to realize a lot of things. Like that was, that was an experience. I went to a restaurant on Thanksgiving and I was waiting for, um, this is before COVID hit. And, um, I was waiting for the ADA restroom and somebody's in there and there's all these other stalls open and she comes out like, do, 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 like yep, nothing. And I do. was like, I was like holding it like, oh my God, I'm going to like lose control here. But things like that and um, just the way people treated me, it made me not want to go out for a while. And I remember I, I, I went to a gallery show that I had some of my photography in. This is what when I was living in San Diego. 
And um, the way people just avoided me and stayed away from me, or like the people that came up to me were like, when are you getting out of that wheelchair? And I was like, horrified. I was like, how can you even ask me that? I don't know. Like, I don't know if I was ever going to walk again. You know what I mean? But like the things people would say to me, I was like, I'm done going out. And I, and I avoided people for a long time, you know, and then I just focused on, you know, getting through the program and, focused on, you know, getting my mental and spiritual and physical health back in order and focused a lot on me. And it it made me like become even more aware. Like every time I went to a national park to take pictures, I started writing stuff down, you know, and then once I was back on my feet for a little bit, I was like, you know what, I'm going to start the disabled photographer project, even if it's just for myself you know, to share what I'm going through or what I went through in a positive light and, and doing that, trying to bring awareness to other people, to the parks, you know, to help, you know, um, maybe make change with the parks. Maybe they can change certain things or, you know, make them aware of things that they don't even think about, you know what I mean? They think they do, but they don't. Mm -hmm. And also just, you know, letting disabled people know that, you know, there's, they're not alone in their stories, you know? Yeah. And that's, that's good. I that's, love that. That's cool. And I'm happy that you did that. Just like we do this podcast, like, yeah. um, we just want to form a community with a good bond and just let you know, uh, I keep saying that one of my best friends has a, a quote, don't do life alone. And that's one of the things that always stuck with me is don't, you don't have to do life alone. Um, you got somebody and I will put my hand out there and help you out as much as I can. So, yeah, I love that. And I like what you said too, about putting the positive aspect out there, which is good, but what, you know, we're, we're trying to do that as well, but we also want to be as real as possible. And I think yes. you do too, because this stuff, people don't understand, like you said, you didn't un- quite understand even working with and being around disabled people your whole life. You still didn't get it until you had to, you know, see it from that perspective see it you know from being in a wheelchair and seeing how people treat you so oh yeah i think that's it's so important because like i said there's so much that just so many struggles we still have to face on a day-to-day basis it's oh yeah it's unreal almost people see me like taking photos and they and maybe i make it look easy but it's not it's like i can't bend down half the Mm -hmm. time you know i have a portable stool that i bring with me so i can sit on the stool or you know, um, half the time, like, you know, I can't bend my arms or I can't bend my legs or I can't, you know, I can't do squats or I can't, there's a lot of things that I can't do, but there are things that I can do. Mm-hmm. And so I focus on what I can do. And, you know, even if it's five minutes, like I said, going out taking photos and, and, but then I'm laid out for like a day <laughs> or two after yeah. going to take pictures for five minutes. You know what I mean? Like, you know, people just see me posting pictures and they don't understand that, you know, I might've taken those pictures last week, or, you know, I might've just taken those few shots, you know, um, in five minutes. And then I'm like down for like days, you know, Yeah, it's uh, hard. <laughs> so it, it is. I want to ask you about, you said something about a uh, stand of comedy. Yes. I really want to talk about that. That's been in my head. I'm like, I'm, I'm going to ask you before you this. Say that. <laughs> Let's talk about that. Like, okay. So you, you, 
you actually did it, right? Or yeah, I did um, stand-up comedy for five years. It, it Was this oh, wow. pre-wheelchair? After this wheelchair? is pre-wheelchair. It would cool. be um, really challenging right now to do it, you know, to, to, to continue doing it when I was in a wheelchair. And, and the funny thing is I, I organized my own shows when I was doing stand-up comedy. Mm -hmm. And I did have people who use wheelchairs or who use um, those walking sticks with the arms. Mm -hmm. um, and they it was so hard for them to get on stage. Like half the time they would have to perform in front of the stage. And so after seeing what they went through, I was like, I just gotta like not do it. And plus I was like, not in a good place. Like for me, you know, when I did stand up comedy, it was like, I had something to say. Yeah. I wouldn't just get up on stage and just talk, you know, um, nonsense. It was to me, I would like, you know, write, material and then go out and practice and hit mics and there's a lot of work that goes into like even getting you know a set together so yeah. I, I feel like I wasn't in a mental state to do it then while I was in a wheelchair going through what I was going through that could change in it and you know anytime <laughs> well if you do let me know if they got like yeah. a live I would like to support that and, and see see that obviously I'm not a California awesome I've loved stand-up comedy since I was a kid yeah. I love it we, we also had a guy um Charles Charles his name is Charles Walden he's a he has cerebral palsy and he's a stand-up comedian um and he's funny I remember like being a younger is watching him on some um some stuff so it was like cool to have him on the show one of the girls who i had on my show she has a cerebral palsy her name's don grabowski mm -hmm. and i actually featured her in my blog check her out she's hilarious okay hilarious i don't want to blow her set but um <laughs> there was one of the shows that i had her on the show and she had to get up these stairs to get up to the stage and it took her so long to get up to the, you know, where they had the chair for her on the stage that she mm -hmm. sat down and she was like, thank you. Good night. Everybody <laughs> just lost it. She like broke the ice of like how long it took her because there was no ramp. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mm -hmm. She had to use these walking sticks to get up on the stage. And it was so real and it was so funny. I loved it. She was really great. And another comedian who's great, um, she used to be on the Facts of Life, uh, Jerry Jewell. She's amazing, and she has cerebral palsy. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, I've heard the name. I don't, I, I have, don't know her work. I, though, I can't put a face to it, but I've heard that name before. Yeah, she, that, she's been doing stand-up comedy for a long time. She's been around, and she's hilarious. Yeah. That's awesome. I, Go ahead. Well, go ahead. No, you're going. No, go ahead. Oh, all right. So I just so wanted I was to go gonna say no, I'm <laughs> I just wanted to go back for a moment because I know you said like your mental state, you know, just going through all that being in a wheelchair and seeing how people treated you. I know you mentioned, you know, meditation, eating better, just, you know, tapping into yourself. So what else did you do, though, to kind of pull yourself up out of that slump mentally? How did you get your your mental state to kind of be more positive focused again after going through all that? That's a great question. Cause every day, you know, that I woke up was like, I'm awake. Okay. You know, thinking positive, even if I couldn't go out, I tried to find ways to stay positive in the house. And so, um, you know, doing photography was definitely the, at the forefront of keeping me positive and keeping me happy. And, and, and so I found a way to do that every day, even if it was taking one picture, you know, even if, it, if I couldn't get outside, taking a picture through the window, taking a picture in my house, 
you know, um, now we moved to the Joshua Tree area, which I've been wanting to move out here for three years because, you know, I could go out in my backyard. I don't have to go on a long hike now to take a picture, mm -hmm. you know, and to me that, you know, means the world. And, and, you know, every day that I have pain, I'm constantly battling that, you know, mental, um, whatever it is, that voice in your head that kind of like starts messing with you and, and mm -hmm. starts getting you to focus on like the pain. Mm -hmm. And so I try to do things to, um, stay positive and things that make me happy. You know, um, one of the things that they did in the program at institutes of health, when I was going through physical therapy, and, um, I also went not just through physical therapy, I went through mental health therapy and I call it spiritual, uh, therapy. And so they had us do art classes for art therapy. And even if you can't draw, they, they're like, okay, take out a pencil and, and draw whatever comes to mind. And they had like all these exercises. And I found that drawing and painting like every day just released a lot of emotion through color, mm -hmm. like, you know, the colors that I was using and that definitely, um, I still do it. You know, I still, I'll show you this is one of the things that I painted while I was going through therapy and it ended up being oh, my logo cool. for my that's, photography. That's so, cool. That's I like so that. awesome. You know what I mean? I like so um, just trying to do things that for me, I'm a creative person. So as long as I'm staying creative, I'm happy, whether it's writing or painting. Like I tried to pick up my guitar. I don't know if you guys know, I have three albums on iTunes. What? <laughs> wow. I checked those oh. out. Yes. So I'm creative. So like I said, like before I got hurt, I was always out performing and doing this and doing that. And I sing and play guitar and write. But like when I got after being in the wheelchair for so long, it, it took me like over three years to be able to even hold my guitar again because my nerves, like the nerve damage and everything and not being right. mobile. And, you know, people don't know how hard it is to like hold your hand a certain way, have your neck a certain way, move your whole body. Like when you're playing guitar, you know, so yeah, I haven't really done that, you know, but even holding it and strumming like for, you know, a few seconds made me feel good, you know, that's yeah. the reason why I play bass. <laughs> I, I picked up bass. And I love music, and I come from uh, on my mom's side. They all musicians, pretty much, and um, so I, I picked up the bass and played, and I enjoyed it. I played a couple churches and things like that, but that's cool. It's, it's not as much movement, but sometimes I do get tired. My fingers would cramp up a little bit, and or I couldn't do it. And it's like, oh man, I just gotta. But I loved it, so I was just get over it, you know, and just play, but I, I enjoy it, but that was I, my two I cents. don't play instruments <laughs> at all. I've never been able to do that. I wish I could. I wish I was talented like that to do that, but and, that's so awesome. And I, and I try to do beats on my laptop, so that's a little easier. That's cool. <laughs> and another thing that keeps me happy is talking to people like you guys. I'm a very mm -hmm. social person, and mm -hmm. um, it was hard for me not going out and not being around people and not doing things with people and not performing and, you know, things right. like that. And then it was crazy because I was like, I felt like I was on lockdown a year before COVID hit. And then when COVID hit, I said to all my friends who were complaining, I was like, welcome to my world. Yes. 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 I was like, you have no right to like, you know, complain, you know, or, yes. you know, 
people don't understand that, you know, we don't have access to get out as the way that we want. Right. To be, you know what I mean? It's like, and I can't drive all the time. I just started trying to drive. I would say in the last, like, since, it, since it, we moved to Joshua tree, which is like mm -hmm. a, a little over a month ago. And, um, I just do it a little at a time because my ankles start hurting. My feet start hurting. My foot right. starts swelling up my like hands start cramping up. So yeah. my back, you know, starts having issues. So it's like, I can't just get up and go, you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And people don't realize that. I mean, going back to your, you know, playing your guitar, which I'm glad you were able to find all those outlets to be able to positively get yourself back, but also just kind of let some of the, the pain and the hurt and the frustration go, you know, and just be able to kind of get over that. That's awesome in such a positive way. But people don't realize that when you're, you go from being able to walk or what have you, and then you're stuck in a wheelchair, there's muscle deterioration. You know, there, there's muscle loss in some cases. So people don't realize that. So yeah, you're a lot weaker. You got to kind of retrain your body and, and allow yeah, your body to my, my muscle adapt. loss, uh, the atrophy was so bad that, you know, I, by the time I tried to build back the, the muscles, the atrophy was just so bad on my left, like ankle and left calf and left, even it went, all the way up from my ankle, all the way up to my knee, all the way up to my hip, all the way up to my back, mm -hmm. on my left side. So I do have a little limp, but I'm just, I honestly, I'm grateful that I can stand and walk even for Absolutely. a little bit. And, um, you know, I'll never take walking for granted ever again. And I still use my walking sticks and I have my rolling walker and wheelchair. And, um, but it, it's, it's, it's crazy. Life is crazy. <laughs> yeah. But the pan the pandemic, I think the pandemic, you know, a lot of people complain about it, but I'm like, no, a lot of great things came out of the pandemic. One, a lot of companies uh, came to the 21st century. A lot of people came to the 21st century with technology. Hallelujah. But also too, people learn how to be clean, the importance of being clean. Right. And uh, you know, I'm serious. And uh, no, but <laughs> seriously though, the biggest thing was that people realized one, what disabled people go through on a daily basis, being stuck in the house, not being able to get out as frequently as you want to, or as easily as you want to, but also from a job standpoint, everybody worked from home. Well, that was huge because it opened the door for a lot of people who are disabled to get really good jobs because right. they finally weren't overlooked for once. Mm -hmm. You yep, know, that's true. So that was huge, really yeah. huge. And letting people realize like what it feels like when you don't have access to the places where you want to go. Right. Yeah. Right. Exactly. True. Uh, so what advice would you give somebody that's now disabled um, and trying to figure out how to have a uh, different identity in life and right. change it? Like what kind of advice would you give them? I would first say that just because you're disabled does not mean that you're not able, mm -hmm. that you're not able, to, you are able to work, you're able to be happy, you are able to do the things that you love, you know, it's just for me, like, you know, people have this perspective or perception that disabled people are not able to work they're not able to exist they're not able to exist in our world or they're not <laughs> able to like you know be happy and and that's not true you know um i you know i think the power of the mind is is incredible i think that 
you know, where there's a will, there's a way. I look at the athletes in the Paralympics and I'm like, woo, you know, woo, they blow my mind. You know, mm -hmm. I have friends who, you know, my friend Dawn Grabrowski, she's a filmmaker, she's an actress, she's a stand-up comedian. You know, I've, I've been friends with her for years and I see what she's doing and she inspires me. And, you know, I try to do what I can, you know, using my voice to go out and do photography, to go out and, you know, do, be a writer, to go out and travel when I can, you know, to hopefully inspire other disabled people and empower other disabled people. And, and you know, life is a roller coaster ride and we have our good days, but we also have our bad days. And mm -hmm. I'm not going to sit here and pretend that, oh, life is beautiful. I can walk again because it's not. It's a struggle. Like even sitting here, I can't even sit for long periods of time mm -hmm. with like without pain in my back or you know, um, pains mm -hmm. in my feet or, you know, I, it's just never comfortable for me, but, you know, my advice would be to try to find things in your life that make you happy and focus on that as much as you can, you know, because, you know, disability is always going to be there, but that doesn't mean that you're not able to be happy. You're not able to exist and you're not able to live just like everybody else. You have, we all have human, we're all human beings and we all have, you know, equal rights. We should have equal rights, you know? Yes. Right. But um, yeah. That's <laughs> such great advice. And we had a guest on that uh, not too long ago, actually fairly recently. And Mo, if you're listening to this, shout out to you, buddy. But he said he doesn't even like the word disability. He says he has a physical limitation. And the reason why is just because he can do anything that anyone else can do. He just has to do it differently. And really, exactly. if, you, if you think about that, we can all do anything anyone else can do. We can drive. We can work. We can do photography. We can paint. We can draw. We can clean our house. We can live independently. We can get married. We can have kids. I mean, we can do it all. But we just have to do it differently. That's all. We might do it a little exactly. bit slower, but we can do it. We just know, have so. to. We have to plan, you know, a little bit more. Mm -hmm. And we have to, you know, life is a little bit different, you know, and it takes me a little bit more time to do things. And, you know, um, I have to do things differently, but I can still do them. You yeah, know? Exactly. People get caught up on words, you know. Um, there's always people fighting online about, you know, different terminology. And, and I try not to get caught up in the terminology. I try to focus on what can I do? You know, yeah. what can I do? <laughs> I, and I get that because I'm like that, too. I'm like, I don't mind disability, but if that motivates you, if you could say another word, but it motivates you to keep going, then I'll, I'm, I'm, I'll support yeah, that. But absolutely. I don't care about I know what I bring to the table right. in every uh, situation in my life. So I don't mind somebody calling me disabled, but like if that um, motivates you, inspires you to be better, then do it. Absolutely. Yeah. There's no point in getting caught up in words. Yeah. You're wasting your time and energy yeah. on that. Just, yeah. you know. Like as long as you're not being disrespectful, I'm good. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. You know, That's as it. long as you don't put somebody down and start calling yeah. people names or, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not big. I'm not, I don't get caught up in like the arguments about terminology, but um, mm -hmm. I just feel like disa disabled and disability aren't bad words. If people want right. to use them, you know what I mean? It's not a bad word. Like um, there's this whole like uh, debate in the entertainment industry. Um, I do acting too. That's not oh. it. Right? <laughs> 
But uh, <laughs> there's a whole debate because the casting directors and, and some of the talent agents, they don't want to use the word disabled. And they don't want the actors to put on their resume that they're disabled. And so they, they use this term differently abled. And so there's this whole debate about that too. And to me, I'm like, you know what? Whatever the disabled person feels comfortable using, mm. it should be left up to the person who's disabled to say, you know, this is what I prefer. Not, you know, people who are, are not disabled putting terms and terminology like this is what we're going to use. It, I think it's up to the disabled person. Like you said, your friend, um, he likes to use a certain terminology and um, my friend Dawn likes to use a certain terminology. I think it's up to the disabled person to decide what, what they like to use, you know? Right. That's my opinion. For me personally, I don't um, I don't really care as long as you're not insulting me or like trying to put me down or or look, you know, step over me, I guess, in a way. Uh, I'm good. The one word that I hate is crippled. Yeah. I don't like that word. And I don't even yeah. like hand, I don't like handicap. Like people always refer to the placard as the sign, the placard sign as a handicap sign. There's mm -hmm. nowhere in the description of that sign that says handicapped. Yeah. It's, it's an accessibility sign, you know. I like that. I, I have that tattooed on on, on my arm. <laughs> yeah, I do. It was one of the first tattoos, and everybody loves that tattoo. Because I made it, it, it has a hat on. Like I always usually always have a hat on. So it's like personally for me. So it's just like people love it. It's like one of my favorite tattoos. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> so you got any more questions? Um oh well, I was gonna ask, because I guess she was going in there. Um how how do you feel about people getting uh like I'm sorry. How do you feel about people getting uh it act, oh my god, I just had it in my head. Like why can I so people like regular actors getting like parts and um like disability parts over actual people with disabilities. Is that really a thing? Like how oh, big yeah, is a it's thing? a thing, it's a thing and and it's um it's improving slowly because so many disabled people have stepped up and, and have spoken out about it. And the union's been speaking out about it because I'm in SAG and AFTRA and it's the acting union. Okay. And um, they're behind disabled people all the way. Um, you know, I see castings coming through more and more over the last like two months because now it's a trend. You know what I mean? <laughs> if you notice there's like yeah. a trend of right. like, and things always go in trends. And I'm not saying that trends are bad, but I noticed that there's a trend now to use disabled people in commercials and to use them in print ads. But um, I don't know if it's gotten to TV and movies yet. You know, you always have these actors like playing deaf people or playing disabled people. And um, I think that there's a shift because there are a lot of disabled people who are actors and performers like me and like my friend Dawn and like Jerry Jewell and um so I feel like the more that people become aware that there's over a billion people who are disabled in the world and mm -hmm. at some point everybody's going to be disabled in some way the more that they're becoming like 
open to discussion. Like there's still things that, you know, the Emmys had had an issue with the ramp that they said they were going to have and then they didn't have it. And then the Oscars are making a big deal about, look, we put in a ramp for the disabled people. It's like, it's, the ADA has been in effect for 31 years. Let's start asking like why you didn't put in the, the ramp yeah. like, sooner. Like I'm not going to sit here and applaud, you right. know, ramp finally being put up. Like, you know, I think, we need to discuss like why isn't it just why doesn't everyone have access everywhere you know whether it's an mm -hmm. award show whether it's a park whether it's a you know museum whether it's the train station whether it's you know everybody should have access everywhere you know and when when I see more disabled people who are really disabled in movies and TV, you know, I'll be happier, but we still got a long way to go. Like I'm Puerto Rican. How many Puerto Ricans do you see on TV and in movies? True. You know? So yeah. I'm fighting many battles. I'm Puerto Rican. <laughs> I'm a woman. I'm over 50 and I'm disabled, but that doesn't mean I'm none of those things mean that I'm not able, you know? So I hope that, by me putting myself out there that I inspire, you know, Latina women, that I inspire women over 50, that I inspire photographers, that I inspire artists, that I inspire disabled people. I just want to inspire people to be happy, do what you love, live your life, and don't let anything hold you back ever, you know, ever. Uh, I, I like awesome. that. I love that. I, I will <laughs> say this as far as the, you know, disabled people, um, are the roles, I guess, being filled by able-bodied people. Here's my thing on it. I, and I understand your argument. I agree with what both of y'all are saying. But my thing is, it's like if you had a disabled person and you had an able-bodied person, if the able-bodied person can pull off the role better, I got to give it to them. That's that's my thought on that. I'm not just going to give somebody something because they're disabled no. or, be, or because whatever. Well, I'm, I don't and, think it's I don't think it's like that, but I'm just saying like, if you, if you can act, but I'm if you can legit act as a disabled yeah. person, like as there's saying, there's things you can do. can do. It. That's what I'm saying. But, the thing that yeah. I that I think that is if there are disabled actors out there that can act, give them right. the chance to come oh, on. Absolutely. absolutely. I'm not saying to give them the part because you look at Dustin Hoffman and Rain Man and he he nailed it. Yeah. He nailed it. Mm -hmm. he, right. he, he, masked, he was that part. You know what I mean? Like he really obviously studied autistic kids and, and really like, you know, did a great job. So, but my, my concern is that our disabled people being given the same right. opportunities to come in and audition. Are they even being called into audition? Right. You know, not just for extra roles. I'm talking about the main roles. Right. You know. And I absolutely understand that. But the reason why I was bringing up that point is because I feel like you you mentioned that you notice this this is a trend. Well, whenever stuff is, seems to be a trend, they'll just throw some. Oh, you're disabled here. You go, and it's like that person's not meant for that role, or that person's not going to be. You're setting them up for failure, is what I'm trying to say. And I also worry that because it's a trend, and there's a lot of people in the disabled community that will just sit there and they will applaud and they will bravo for like what the Oscars did or whatever it was. And it's like, no, don't, don't do that. Don't, don't blow up their ego because they're just doing it because it's it's what's popular right now. And when the smoke clears, we're going to be in the same situation, if not worse. Yeah. And that's what I'm saying. I, I do agree with that. That's why having this conversation, people listening, mm -hmm. then they go like, you know what? I'm not going to applaud them for doing a the bare minimum. Like, is that your worth? Is that our worth? 
Right, exactly. That, that our, so the society said our worth is bare minimum. You know, they're going to shut those, those uh, jingle a few shiny things in front of you, give you a couple things, and then, oh, okay, we appease them enough. That's not popular anymore. We're rolling out. Yeah. And it's like we gain nothing. So that's, you know? that's. I mean, and I definitely understand what you're saying because, like, but it's, I get it. It's a trend, and we're going to take advantage of it if it is a trend. Right. Let's take advantage of it, but let's show people that we can do it. Yeah. And um, because a lot and of people. That there's, and that there's more to do. Like, yes. I, mm-hmm. I appreciate the trend because it's brought awareness and it's mm-hmm. contributed right. disabled people um, to, uh, like, the Crip Camp. I don't know if you guys saw that movie. Yeah, yeah we saw it. So, so that movie introduced, like, a lot of people to a lot of things that they had no idea, but that's mm. just the start. Like to me, that's just the beginning. Like this is just introduction. This There's mm. more work that still needs to be done. And I feel like, you know, with, as quickly as trends come, they go. And then like you said, like, oh, here's that carrot we're gonna dangle in front of them and we do just enough and then they'll, we'll appease them. And then, mm. then what, you know? Yeah. And what that's why it? it's important to have guests on like you. Um, because you're, you're, you're like, you, you are a creator. You have a smile. She had a smile on the whole time. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? Like all that good positive, like our self-worth, uh, is bigger than bare minimum. Exactly. And we got, we got to let people know that like you are worth something and don't let anybody tell you any less. Mm-hmm. And, you know, don't be afraid to, to go after your passion, you mm-hmm. know, if you feel like it's photography or music or art or comedy, or if, you know, you just want to get out there and do everything, travel the world, go, go crazy, do it, <laughs> you know, and be passionate about it. Have that energy. You know, that's the one thing we've realized doing this podcast is we've met so many great people like you and just come across so many people that are disabled for whatever reason. And they're doing so many big things. They're CEOs, they're, entrepreneurs i mean they're they're traveling the world they're, and they're doing stuff that i never thought of and you know because sometimes when you have a disability you just have this perspective you have a limited perspective a limited viewpoint but doing this has really opened my eyes to a lot for sure yeah i feel like the world it's because the world has like a, a perspective and you don't see you don't see disabled people out everywhere. Right. And, and Mm -hmm. like you go to a store or you go to a park or, you know, I don't see a lot of disabled people Mm -hmm. um, in parks and outside. And I feel like a lot of that has to do with access, but also how we're made to feel when we're out in public, you know, you know, how many disabled people want to get the looks, how many disabled people want to have to try to squeeze through an aisle in the markets and, you know, try to get around and, you know, so I feel like there's still work to be done and there's still awareness to be brought to, you know, bigger people and especially to the disabled community. Don't be afraid to go out. Don't be afraid to mm-hmm. go to parks. Don't be afraid right. to do things. Don't um, don't hold yourself back because half the time, you know, when I was at my lowest point, you know, before I got back on my feet, I was the one holding myself back. You know, I was the one who thought I couldn't do things or I didn't want to deal with people or, you know, I didn't want to deal with the looks or I didn't want to deal with the questions or I couldn't deal with the questions because I was going through my case. So I couldn't really talk about it, which was my biggest frustration. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, my lawyer had me take down all my social media. I had over 18,000 followers on Twitter. I had over 10,000 followers on Facebook. I had like 
and I had to take down all my social media and I started over and a part of me was like devastated, but you know what, being off the internet for three years, I actually didn't miss it the way I thought I was. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I accomplished a lot, like even planning my business and planning, you know, what I was going to do once, you know, where I was going to move and what I was going to do and setting up my business and doing a lot of research. And when I start got back on social media and even my projects, like I was taking notes, writing stuff down all the time and, you know, where I wanted to go and what national park and who I wanted to talk to and what I want to talk about and show. And so starting over again too, like even on social media is I'm posting very differently now than I was before, you know, mm -hmm. and I'm not getting involved in heated discussions and about, you know, things that don't even matter that people like argue about online. <laughs> you know, right, right, like, right. What are you arguing about? Go take a walk, go outside or, you know, go do something, do something positive. Even if you can't get outside, do something positive in your house, you know? Right. I don't know. Read a book. Yeah. <laughs> and it's so good though, because prior to this podcast, like I was a social media ghost. I didn't need, I mean, I literally just was like one day I was like, you know what? I've had enough of this. Deleted it off my phone and just <laughs> never looked back for a couple of years. People were like, Chris, I don't see you on there anymore. Hey, if you want to talk to me, here's my phone number or something. I'll get it, whatever. Find me in person because I just wasn't having it. I got tired of it. And now, honestly, mentally, it was the most refreshing thing ever. But then now doing the podcast, of course, like I run the social media, so I post all the time. But even then it got to a point where I was on here every day trying to follow people, like stuff, whatever. And then I got burnt out from that. So now I'm just like, I do our post every day. I might check, like a few things here and there. But other than that, I don't really worry about it. I've got other stuff going on, but it's just too much of a mental drain. It really is. It's, it's like... Social media is a, a full-time job. Yeah, <laughs> Social really media is. is an art form in itself, like promoting and marketing. And, and uh, I'm doing a, a panel at Comic-Con. I can't say what it's about yet. Oh, on the 27th, that's awesome. But, but uh, I wrote a book years ago, with my boyfriend, he's an illustrator. And my part of the book was all about, you know, social media and promoting and marketing. And um, it, it, it's work. It's an art form, you know, and, and a lot of people don't realize that, you know, people are just posting and posting and posting, but, you know, are you telling people who you are through what you're posting or are you jumping on the trends? You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, are you doing the dance trend because it's a trend or are you like talking about who you are? Or... But it's interesting. It's fascinating. It fascinates me. Social media, social, that word, like the words <laughs> that they use, you know, like comment follow <laughs> yeah right? yeah uh, i'd love to hear that panel though i know you can't say nothing about it hopefully there's a, a way virtually to hear it though That'd yeah i'll awesome. find out more like when we're like closer to it they'll let me know and let me know when i can announce it all i can say is i'm doing a panel and it's on saturday the 27th and um, i'm excited i did a panel years ago called tricks of the trade and it was all about um the kind of like the entertainment industry for artists mm -hmm. and i had like all these amazing people on the panel but this panel i'm doing all by myself oh that's cool <laughs> that's all right though that's so cool i mean comic-con cool. i've always wanted to go especially out there in california pretty awesome uh 
I'm I'm kind of into some of that stuff. So yeah, it's just something I've always wanted to do, but never got a chance to. And now I want to do because I want to do that Walking Dead. I used to love that show. I, mean, I still that. kind I of want to mess with that, but <laughs> I would. Yeah, they had they had a nice display of the Walking Dead at Comic Con, and and they used to have a, a nice setup at um, Universal Studios, like the oh, Walking wow. Dead. Oh wow! Yeah, it's really cool, and like these actors walking around, like all decked out as zombies, and it was really scary. Yeah, <laughs> didn't they have something where like it was like a zombie run or whatever? Yes, they do yeah. that every year. They did that every year at Comic Con. I don't know if they're gonna do um, everything that they usually do because of COVID, but um, right. I know they're scaling down a lot, and um, you know they're being very, very cautious and careful, and you know. Uh, so we'll see what they're going to do, you know, as they're announcing the guests right now. And then as we get closer, they'll probably announce more. So I'm excited about it. That's cool. That's going to be awesome. Wow. That's so cool. Anything yeah. else? I don't know. I think it's time to wrap it up. All right. We're going to ask you just a couple questions just to wrap things up. But we definitely enjoyed this conversation with you. It's pretty, pretty fun. So, um. <laughs> How do I ask this question? Do you, so doing photography, who inspired you? Like you have a couple of names that inspire you doing photography. I just ask that because that's, it seems like that's what you're most passionate about right now. Oh yeah. I, I've always loved photography ever mm -hmm. since I was a kid. I mean, I've always been a creative person and my mom worked a lot. So I was, you know, um, always trying to find ways to, um, express myself through art, through music, through writing, mm. through photography. And even as a kid, I was always getting those like disposable cameras and mm. I still got my Polaroid camera. <laughs> you know, Polaroids made a comeback and these kids are like, I remember when I was working, a kid handed me their new Polaroid camera and they're like, here, do you know how to use this? And I was like, oh, I still got my original <laughs> one. I know how to use the Polaroid <laughs> But um, I've always been, uh, had a love of taking photos and and have used different cameras over the years and there's so many photographers who inspire me um i love national geographic photographers i like photographers that capture like photojournalists that capture real moments that are happening and mm -hmm. um uh i mentioned uh, this photographer on another podcast the other day her name's amy vitale and she is a national geographic photographer and she's one of my favorite photographers out there today. And she photographed the last rhino. Do you, I don't know if you guys ever saw that photo of the last rhino when he passed away and the ranger that was protecting him, like kind of like by his side. But she took that photo. She's done like some, just beautiful work. So she goes to Africa a lot okay. and awesome. uh, Kenya a lot. And she's always photographing. Like I love animals and I, you know, I, I, can't chase them like I would like to anymore, <laughs> but I love animals. And she's taken the most amazing photos of like giraffes and rhinos and elephants and then the people. And, and, uh, you know, I do what I can with photography and I used to photograph people more, but I've been obsessed with landscapes lately and nature and sunrises and sunsets and Milky way and, um, the moon. And so, um, I don't know. There's so many photographers on social media that I follow. Um, <laughs> there's one guy named Sean Parker who takes the most beautiful Milky Way photos. There's another guy named Jack Fusco who takes the most beautiful uh, Milky Way photos. But um, 
Yeah, I just, I follow a lot of photographers and, and in different mediums, I follow some photographers who do portrait photography and um, some photographers who, I used to like um, Annie Leibovitz growing up too, as far as like portraits. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had a friend who works for her, um, who I grew up with and she did like lighting for her years ago. Um, but I'm, I'm more drawn towards like less posing and more capturing the moments. Like yeah. that's, that's to me, it's like, I'm all about just, even when I take pictures of people, I don't like posing people. I like, you know, work, even when I'm working with the models, I'll start talking to them and, and getting them like to loosen up. And then I'll let them find their rhythm. Cause there's a rhythm when, when you're photographing, whether it's people or animals or even, you know, nature and light and, you know, it's like music. You know, mm-hmm. you don't try to control like every note. You just see sometimes what comes with the feeling, you know, and, and uh, that's what inspires me. I got you. All right. <laughs> I like that. So give me five people dead or alive that you have dinner with. Ooh. Um, Jimi Hendrix, John <laughs> Lennon, Prince, George Carlin, and Janis Joplin. Wow, they're all dead, ain't they? Quick. They're yeah. all dead. Rick, they are they are. all dead? I think they are. They're all dead, aren't they? Yeah. You've got to be the fastest. That was the fastest response to that yeah. question. Usually it's like a five to ten minute. Oh, it just came to me. I just, I just said what came to mind. That's but, awesome. You know, there, there's so many people who passed away who I wish I could sit down and and uh, just, you know, have a conversation with and those are the people that came to mind. I like them. That's I was awesome. a big fan of Janis Joplin. Like when I started hearing her music and I was like, man. And then I watched the documentary and I was just like, oh man, I, I just like this lady. I thought she was she, cool. was, she was just connected to, mm-hmm. to her. You could feel her soul like through her mm-hmm. voice. Like she was just, you know, some people, she's not for everybody. Some people may not like her voice, but I mm-hmm. felt her soul through her voice. And, yeah. and to me, that's, that's music. You know, mm-hmm. you could, that when a person makes you feel, whew, you know, <laughs> yeah. that's awesome. You're right about that. <laughs> so I got a two part question for you. First part is, what is your greatest fear in life? And then I want to know what you're uh, what you're most proud of so far. My greatest fear in life is that I don't know that I would ever stop doing what makes me happy, you know, mm-hmm. that I would ever stop doing what I love. And I think that was part of what made me feel at my lowest when I was at my low is because I had this, you know, thought that I couldn't do what I do anymore because I was in a wheelchair. And as Mm -hmm. soon as I realized that I could, you know, that fear went away, but that's still like, you know, my biggest fear is not being able to do, you know, the things that I love. That's awesome. And then what would you say is your greatest, or not greatest success, what would you say you're most proud of so far in your life? Um, I think I'm just the most proud of not giving up ever. I've been to hell and back throughout my whole life. Ooh, so maybe someday I'll write a book. <laughs> <laughs> maybe someday. There, I, I've been through a lot. And, mm. you know, to me, I always you know, when you're going through things in life, you don't realize why you're going through what you're going through. And, you know, you can easily fall into a dark place. But um, I just want to let anybody know who's going to watch this podcast that, 
you know, if you ever fall into a dark place where you feel like giving up, don't, because Mm -hmm. there's a lot of great things waiting for you, you know, in life. And all you have to do is start by believing in yourself, believing that you can, believing that things are possible, just believe because the power of the mind believe to achieve and the power of staying positive, it, it, it can lead you to amazing places and amazing accomplishments and, and don't give up. Not giving up to me is, is my biggest, I think, um, accomplishment. That's so awesome. I was going to ask you uh, what you want people to take away from this conversation, but I think you pretty much just answered that. That was, that was really good. That was really, really good advice. I love that because people don't realize like depression, uh, anxiety, just stress, what that does to your body. There's so many like, like high blood pressure, diabetes, other things, so many symptoms like, um, and, and uh, not not diseases but just so many things can come so many bad things can come from just stress and fear and anxiety so it's like you know if i think if more people realize that and could just learn to just calm themselves down find uh, you know positive channels to release that stuff and to deal with things whether it's talking with somebody like you did or learning you know painting and drawing and the importance of that and then photography you know it would, it would really be great. I think it would help a lot yeah. of people. Yep. And so. that, like, you know, there, I had like problems sleeping for so long where I ended up in the hospital twice because I couldn't sleep because I had such bad anxiety. And uh, I found that breathing, focusing on your breath. I have a Himalayan salt lamp by my bed, you know, visualizing and focusing on that sometimes. And putting on like, you know, music that you love, whether it's jazz or soft music, because music can take you to an amazing place. Music can make you feel calm. Music can make you feel happy. Music, music is, is, uh, to me, the, the biggest universal language. People have arguments about mathematics and science, but to me, you don't even need to talk. You hear music and it can calm you. So if you ever feel stressed out, put on music that you know you love or, or like you said, draw, write, you know, um, breathe, (laughs) you know, try to get outside of that dark feeling or the dark thoughts and start try to get away from it because you can spiral into depression very easily. And believe me, I know. (laughs) (laughs) I like like the breathing, though. I think that's something I've had to learn this past year is just instead of getting like frustrated when things aren't going my way or, or just even when I'm just feeling gloomy or just depressed or you just wake up and you're like, man, I don't feel like facing the day, but you got no choice. Cause you got to go to work. You got to do whatever. Mm-hmm. It's like, just take a moment, just breathe. And I just, and you just got to let it all out when you breathe. That's what I tell myself. I'm like, all right, with every breath, you're letting all the stress go, whatever's or whatever it is, is bothering me. And it's just like, you just recenter yourself. It, yep. it, it works. It really it does. does work. It's funny. Chris Evans, Captain America was having an anxiety attack on Twitter. And I went on his, his, his Twitter where he was saying, I'm having anxiety. I don't know why. I don't know what to do. I was like, breathe, take a deep <laughs> breath in through your nose, take a deep breath out. Like I was like writing, like, you know, what I would tell myself, like take a deep breath in through your nose, take a deep breath out of your mouth, you know, try to focus on your breath, do it a few times. And I even do that when I go out to do photography because it, mm-hmm. it, it helps me like kind of be grounded and mm-hmm. to, 
you know, let go of any like energy that I'm like, I got to get here. I got to do this. I got to do that. I got to set up this, you know, by taking a few breaths, it, it really like calms you down, focuses you, centers you. Um, and, um, yeah, sometimes I, I have to remind myself too, like breathe. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, you do cause life gets crazy sometimes. It really does. You mm-hmm. know? So, but we definitely thank you so much for coming on. It was such an amazing conversation. We greatly appreciate it. Yes, ma'am. Thank you guys for having me. And I love following you guys online. And thank you for doing this podcast and everything that you guys do to share information and to share the love and to make people aware. And thank you guys. God bless you. Bless you too. God bless you as well. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Then Wait Podcast. If you believe in what we're doing, be sure to rate, subscribe, and leave a review wherever you listen to the podcast and check out our Patreon page. Don't forget that you have worth and value. And if you are ever in need of encouragement, feel free to connect with us on our socials.